Hello, you're listening to the Zachariah Show. This is the first ever season, and I'm back with a new microphone. So, for all, so for those who have listened to the previous episodes with the lesser audio quality, you probably know what I'm doing. But for any newcomers coming, coming to take a listen, this is a show where I'm going to be reviewing all of my uh, favorite directors and picking and basically the spare director I like, review all their movies. And right now I am doing Christopher Nolan, my favorite director who's currently making movies right now. So yeah, kick back, relax, listen to the nice new crisp audio quality, and enjoy my review of following. My review of following. For those who don't know, it was his first. It was Christopher Nolan's first ever feature film he directed. He previously directed a short film called Doodlebug, which I'm not including on this podcast. This is just going to be uh, mainly focusing on full-length feature films, and no doc- and documentaries are excluded as well. So there will be no spoilers during this section of the review. I'll be getting to spoilers later, but for now, I won't be revealing it. Uh, following it is about a man who's simply known as the Young Man in the credits, but he says that his name is Bill. Bill was an inspiring writer who was fascinated with how people behave, and because of this fascination, he starts to follow random strangers out on the street to see their day-to-day lives. While doing so, he ends up following a man who's a burglar named Cobb, and, Co- and Cobb discovers that he's being followed by Bill, and when he sees that he's not a cop, he lets him tag along on a couple of robberies. Uh, Bill, agree- Bill uh, agrees and gets introduced to a whole new world. This concept is very interesting and is very well done if you ever watched the- another movie uh, Nolan made called Inception. It's basically a low-budgeted version of that. It's not completely the same, but it features a lot of, this- a lot of similar ideas, such as exploring the minds of strangers. This film also plants the seeds of Nolan's signature style, such as nonlinear storytelling and the world having a large scale to it. You think that due to its low budget, the world would be kind of, kind of non-existent, but it actually—it's still pretty. It still has a very large fo- focus to it, and it feels extremely real and natural because the movie takes its time to show how everything within it works and how different people behave within the world of, of the film. The cinematography is also pretty good. It has a few kind of stale shots here and there. And it's not interstellar levels of beauty, but it's still pretty great, and pretty much what you expect from a gnome film. Uh, the characters in this film are also quite well written. They're intriguing and pull you into the world. Which is probably why I watched this movie so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, what I really enjoy about the characters is that, that they're intriguing and pull you into the world, similar to how Cobb kind of intrigues Bill and pulls him into his world. Which is pretty, pretty cool. I don't really have any problems with this movie. It is very solid, and also doesn't look cheaply made at all. But however, the movie's original audio mix was recorded in mono, and to give an idea of how outdated it was at the time, this film came out in 1999, and mono was used in the original sound mix for the, tra- for the Terminator, which came out in 1994. Even by then, it was out. Even back then, it was outdated. 
But if you get the Criterion Collection Blu-ray for this movie, you'll have the option to watch it with remastered sound, which fixes that problem. And also, some of the performances have moments where the acting is better in one scene, but in the next scene it isn't really that great, or in the previous scene, the acting's not good, but in the next scene it is, so... It is. And Cobb's girlfriend, who's known as the blonde in the credits, he's a primary character to the story, but she isn't as really interesting as Bill and Cobb, which is unfortunate, but other than those three, three kind of nitpicks, the movie's pretty great. Well, that's all I can say about spoilers. From this point on, I'll be trying to spoil territory, so I recommend that you watch the movie first before continuing the podcast. You're back, or decide not to leave. This is your last little warning for spoilers, so here we go. As I previously mentioned, Bill takes along with Cobb and, ro- and they rob houses together. However, it is revealed that Cobb has been setting up a plan this entire time. Basically, the entire time is basically playing a huge trick on Bill. So, Cobb is a very opportunistic character who enjoys taking advantage of others, and, and he basically, when he saw Bill, follow him around. He figured that he uh, decided to use this as an advantage because he actually um, actually either walked into a house and saw a murder lady or did, or he might have killed the uh, lady. It's not Whether or not he did it isn't revealed to the audience. So when he sees Bill following around, he figures, hey, I'm going to use this guy and frame him for that murder. Murder because he knows that he's going to be taken in for, for, by the police. So, he also gets Bill involved with his girlfriend, or with the blonde, and she's working with a mobster who involved with a lot of nasty stuff, mainly involving pictures, don't worry, we don't see anything bad, and uh, tells Bill that she's being blackmailed by a boss for the pictures since she witnessed a murder that he committed, and the murder, what happened, and what happened was that the mobster came in, bashed the guy's skull in, in with a hammer, and he left a bloody rug behind that she's using as evidence, so that, because she's tired of working for him. However, if she reveals the bloody rug, he's going to reveal the pictures. And she tells Bill about it because she wants Bill to break in and steal the pictures so she doesn't, so she can reveal the, the rug, the bloody rug to the police. He can get arrested. And he doesn't have to work with him anymore. And this is very convenient for Bill since he was planning on robbing the monster's house since it is full of cash. Uh, he ends up going solo since he gets into an ar- argument with Cobb because he revealed his identity to the blonde blonde, and they actually uh, previously robbed her house, and remember, Bill isn't aware that they're dating, dating, and so Cobb ends up leaving him on his own, so Bill then changes his appearance and grabs a hammer, and he sneaks in, takes the money, and a thug appears, so he knocks, hates him out with the hammer, and just dashes with the photos, and he discovers that the photos were fake, they're just blank, they're just blank pieces of paper. He was actually supposed to get caught by the police, but he didn't, and now he made himself a suspect of another murder. And so the police take him in and find everything that they, they find any, everything that he stole in the, in the movie, which includes some of Blonde's personal belongings, uh, and a credit card. And the police believe that he did it since Cobb killed the Blonde with the hammer to make it look like the 
hammer to make it look like not only he killed the thug and stole a bunch of money, he came back and killed a blonde and killed a, the blonde as well, since the blonde is the only one who knows what Cobb did. So Cobb's tying up loose ends essentially. And then the movie ends with Cobb getting off the hook and Bell gets arrested. <laughs> and this is pretty dark for an Nolan film, actually. However, his next movie, Memento, is even darker. In, the, in all of Nolan's latest work, a lot of the darker elements is, have been have been kind of removed, or he ten, and he tends to go for kind of happier endings now, and kind of more family family friendly family films, and it's, which is quite interesting. So in this movie, has some swearing and some and some some suggestive content, but but there isn't some mild suggestive content. Nothing really too too bad bad, but it's still there. So what hasn't changed, however, is Nolan's approach to violence. So I call it implied brutality. So for example, during the scene where the mobster bashes the guy's skull, if he act, it's actually off-screen, and we only see the guy scream, then ah, then we hear, hear, the, hear the impact, but that's all we see. We just see the hammer, hammer the mobster lift up his hammer, and film, film a cuts away and it's actually well it doesn't cut away but it, but it doesn't but it's shot in an angle where you don't see the hammer hit the head you just hear the impact and actually it leaves us us to, to, to use our imaginations to see the see what's going on which is actually quite effective and I actually prefer it to be prefer it to be more effective and kind of the to make it more, I find it to be more effective and make you more queasy than, than explicit gory violence. Since by the end of when, because we're watching a movie with gory violence, by the end of it, you're kind of desensitized to it, and you're like, oh, okay. But but here, you, since you're using your imagination, every time you rewatch it, you you can actually make up your own different um, different result in your mind, which. Which is quite cool, and I do enjoy it. Enjoy that type of violence. And you can overall, following is an excellent movie, and I highly recommend that you watch it. And that is the end of the episode. So I hope you really hope you enjoyed it, and see you next time where I'll be reviewing Nolan's second film, Memento.